Hello, hello, and welcome to your Inland Northwest business podcast. The businesses we all see and know have a unique story that has made them a success. Together, we're creating relationships with the businesses that make this region one of the most vibrant and dynamic places to do business. I'm your host, Doyle Wheeler, and today I have the extreme pleasure of having Matthew and Julie Collins from Uptick Studios. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yes. Well, um, really looking forward to this. Um, and I, anyone listening may not realize this, but every business in Spokane has had a designer behind it, and Uptick Studios has done a lot of designing in Spokane, so we've got lots to talk about. Well, um, take a minute and introduce yourselves. Tell, us, tell all of our listeners who Matthew and Julie Collins are. Uh, yikes. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, Matthew Collins. Uh, Principal architect and uh, co-founder, co-owner of Uptick Studios. I'm Julie Collins, uh, interior designer at Uptick Studios, co-founder and creative director. You got a lot of hats going on here. You're literally wearing a hat. That's I usually am. I'm very observant. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So husband and wife team. Yep. All right. You want to go there? You want to like? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's where we live, right? We yeah. share an office and a bedroom, so. Wow. <laughs> okay. Do you do you literally have your desks in the same room? Yeah. Well, we're next to each other. Yes. Okay. Cool. Well, that's how it is at our office. My yeah. wife works next to me too. <laughs> that's pretty fun. Right. Just can't get enough of each other. <laughs> I know it. That's cool. Okay. Well, um, I'm excited to dive right in. So, tell us a little bit about yourselves and your story and how Uptick Studios started. Uh, yeah, uh, Uptick is now 13 years old. Uh, Julie wow. and I um, officially started it on April Fool's Day of uh, 2010, and uh, just been on a slow, steady uptick ever since. I love it. Today is April 13th. Mm-hmm. Right? Amazing. Yeah. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So, um, how did... What motivated you to start up Tick Studios? Uh, you know, we both have been in the industry for a while and worked at a lot of other firms and um, seen it done well and not so well and took the plunge to see if we can do it better ourselves. Right on. And it, so was that like a couple a decision as a couple or one person had the idea and you both went for it? Was It was definitely the two of us, you know, um, made that decision together. That's cool. That's awesome. Um, so I noticed, Matthew, on your profile on your website that you focused on anthro, anth- ethnographic design and storytelling. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, a big part of what we do is uh, design for the human experience. And, you know, my background uh, has led me to some education and professional development in uh, product design, which really focuses on that ethnographic study of people and culture and understanding communities and the interaction and kind of the missing pieces of uh, human interaction. So um, we try to bring that attitude and approach to our design by really looking at projects and a holistic uh, fashion to, you know, really ultimately enhance and preserve and sustain and elevate the human experience. 
That's awesome. And I think we live in a mecca of what you just said in Spokane, like um, over and over on every conversation I have is that Spokane's beautiful, but it's been a, it's been a pr preservation project. Like the architecture, even though it's new and updated, is still kind of preserving the old school Spokane. The brick and you know, the literally bricks with mortar. Yeah, we it. have a, a, a beautiful history to this town and you know, we wanna we wanna preserve that whilst also looking towards the future and building a sustainable community for tomorrow. Do you have a, is there a project you've done lately that would embody what you just shared? Incrediburger. Oh, yeah, so that that yeah, the Incrediburger, you know, that that facade was so damaged and in disrepair that we couldn't preserve it. So we ended up using it like an art project and tried to create an interactive facade that would engage the the drivers and the pedestrians on the street because we didn't have the kind of historical character. So we turned it into a light show. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. I, it's still there. I think it's oh yeah, De Espanya. Yeah, it's had a it's had a couple uh, different tenants go through it since that. That was one of our first projects, and so as you know, with restaurants, they sometimes change their brands and change their you know, yeah. character as well. The light show is really cool. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, I was actually involved in that project. I was in the marketing side of it. And it was really cool to see Dempsey's turn into a burger joint. Right. So congrats. Right. That was, yeah, that was, thanks. That's yeah. quite a metamorphosis. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It, it, it's pretty funny. A lot of people miss it, but I think a lot of people love what's there now instead. Totally. Yeah. That's, and that's cool. you know that's part of a community is it's a living organism so you know it does it adapt and grow and mature and expand and change and that's what you know that's what humanity does that's so right. you know our buildings and our built environment needs to respond accordingly agreed so on the website i saw a photo of you in a boat i have a feeling that there's a story behind that yeah, uh, I mean, is Julie. It sailing or fishing? I think yeah, it was which sailing. kind of boat was it? I think it was sailing. <laughs> okay, I am like a closet pirate. Um, so he's I a, like. He's a, he's a captain. <laughs> well, pirate's a captain. Yeah, I know. Right? Uh, no, uh, you know, Julie and I both grew up sailing. We grew up in the Northwest around water. We've both always loved it and lived it. And um, sailing was a big part of my youth and then you know i've as a professional i got the opportunity to work for palmer johnson yachts uh, actually designing yacht interiors and as julie and i's family has grown we've been able to take our family out on the boat quite a bit so we try to get out on the you know the water a few times a year um nice it's a good way for us to unplug and there's there's connection to to uh your teacher yeah, my father was yep. a big sailor, and it, both Julie and I feel very connected to nature, and that's kind of our happy place. There's actually not uh, much architecture out in the ocean, so it's a good way for us to <laughs> unplug and reset of, you know, our day-to-day, -day. so yeah, um, that's our happy Lots place. Lots of inspiration, though, too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And well, the water never changes design. It's amazing. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so... I didn't really, uh, I saw just a, a really nice headshot of you, Julie. So, what, oh, yeah. yeah. So, tell us about you. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what do you like to do outside of Uptick Studios? I like to be outside with my family and friends. I like to cook. I love living. I do. I, 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 I love traveling. Um, 
I, yeah, I just, I do, I love to just like experience life. I mean, I have a lot of hobbies that I've, you know, I've gone through in my life or different sports that I've been more into it or outdoor activities at the, you know, as I've grown. Sure. So I just, I just feel like I'm always just learning and experiencing. I love it. Okay. So on the website, um, it says you're an interior designer. I never really connected uh, overall architecture design and interior design. So is that like your passion in the business is the interior design part? Yeah, they go hand in hand. Yeah, in a of way. course. Um, you know, Matthew, I've been with him for a long time, as we said, and um, watched him and was alongside him in his architecture undergrad. And um, I was always just so inspired, always impressed. It always made me so excited about what he was doing. And so that kind of pushed me to find my passion and my skill set and what, how I can express, you know, what I can bring to the table in design. And um, so uh, I started um, my way through photography. I actually, in my 20s, was, um, I had my own photography business. I worked for a photographer down in Savannah, Georgia. Whoa. Yeah. So, so I've, my, my path to design is a little more circuitous than his, but it was always where I was going to land. Um, everything kind of has developed on top of it, every experience. Sure. So um, worked for a photographer down in Savannah, Georgia, um, learned a ton of skills. Uh, and um, when we moved, and I did some publication work, I worked also for, you know, I would do some um, assisting uh, interior photographers for magazines like, what, I forget, it's design magazines i can't sure. remember but, I, uh, I i don't remember some of them were local to georgia or savannah georgia the one called skirt there was skirt better homes and gardens was okay one. there you go and then house beautiful but i would be a s- assistant i was just kind of there to help with you know equipment and then yeah. also styling and helping to move things around and sure whatnot. staging and whatnot yeah yeah so it was kind of just one of those experiences that i was like this is so fun on top of being in the photography world and then when we moved to Spokane, um, I went off on my own and had a in-house home studio. Had little kids at home, but just really fit what we needed at the time. And um, I was able to express my creativity and the visual, like capture. I just I just loved it, and I loved what I could do for people. Um, and uh, then when we started Uptick. I mean, I was always so going back to what I said before about being inspired by what Matthew is always involved with. Sure. And being alongside him through his career. Um, it was something that I just was always, it would be at the dinner table talking about it. You know, it was just sure. part of our conversations and what we shared together. Um, and so when Uptick wasn't the idea of starting that, it was like, okay, I'm going to school. This is what I'm going to do. Our youngest was in first grade. I'm like, okay, you know. I'll just get a second degree. I need to, if I'm going to do this with him, I need to ma- I need to really see if I can hang with him. You know, I didn't want just to be, just have a knack for what I, sure. you know, I really wanted to challenge myself and learn some technical skills and really like take it separate from him in a bit, in a way. Sure. Makes sense. Focus and see where I could go with it. And yeah. it just, that's, that's how I, I became part of the whole team. That's cool. At Uptick. That's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I like yeah. um, I like the way you, you kind of, it's not like, um, how would you say, you, you had you had to be a part of it. You earned your way in. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I wanted to make sure it was the right decision for our family, for the business, our relationship, you know, and for me. And I just loved it. I loved it. Yeah, it was, it was bound to happen, I guess. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting story. So I I actually started my business with photography. Like it was, uh, and I didn't even know I was a photographer until I got an iPhone. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Like I, I, I would have, I mean, I was, my journey started in the automotive world and, and so it's like, I, I was creative with cars, mm-hmm. um, working on street rods and things like that for people that paid me to do it. So that was kind of my thing, a blue collar, right? And then when I started this business of marketing, um, it was in 2009 when people thought Twitter was the dumbest thing that ever existed, but it was changing the scope of business, right? And it was only two years after that that um, they allowed you to upload photos and so I, the only way you could do that was with the phone. You couldn't do it any other way. And so it's like, okay, well, if I'm going to make this go, i got to be a photographer. So I went hard. I just deep-dived. And Google was pretty shallow on content. So, and, you know, every – did you go to school for photography? No. Yeah. See? I learned by my mentor. Um, and she just saw something in me. And that just kind of, like, told – just sure. having her say, you know, like, you know it. There you go. You've got it. And I was like, okay. And then just, you know, taking lead from her and having her teach me on, as, I mean, I became like her second shooter. And I actually, when we moved to Spokane, she would fly me back to Savannah and do weddings on my own for her for Whoa. like about two years into the move. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, I learned by trial by fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, it, light was no big deal. Like, if it was too dark, it wasn't going to look good. No. You know what I mean? It, and, but it's interesting. Some brains just aren't triggered like that. You have yeah. to acquire it, something like that. Anyway. Julie, Julie's being very modest. Uh, she had a pretty deep photography career, did a bunch of publications, and shot down in Turks and Caicos, and was doing a lot of really cool stuff. But, yeah, you know, she's always fun. had an amazing design eye, and that's why photography was just so natural for her. And it was really easy for her to transition into the built environment because, you know, composing shapes and color and spaces and geometry, it's, you know, it's when you're, when you're putting together a photo shoot, you're kind of designing that space, you know? Totally. Um, And so, yeah, the big, the big move when we started Uptick was like, she already kind of knew everything about design, but it's like, uh, to preserve our marriage, I'm like, uh, you're going to have to learn AutoCAD from someone else. You know, it's like the, some of that technical software, like, you know, she, she had the eye and she understood kind of the, you know, the je ne sais quoi of design, but you know, as, as, you know, starting to launch an interior design department, she needed the technical skills kind of yeah. to back it up. I just loved going to school. It was so fun. And That's cool. I was, I think, in my late, well, late 30s, yeah. Wow. And it was, it was, it was really fun. It was tough. I kind of don't remember everything about it because three kids <laughs> starting up tick. Um, I was. I think we were also building a house at the we were, same time. Yeah, we were, li- it was, it was a crazy time, but. It was great. I just loved it. I mean, I can feel the craziness. It's <laughs> awesome. It's all, yeah, no kidding. We just like to throw more gas on the right. fire. Yeah. There you go. So uh, tell us a little bit, well, tell us all about what Uptick Studios is all about. How did you come up with us? 
well, I mean, the first part of your question, like formerly were architecture and interior design studio. Um, my background, because like I mentioned, was in product design and Julie and I have always kind of integrated architecture and interior design. We wanted to make sure that we were building a studio that was multidisciplinary in nature. So again, going back to that holistic problem solving. And so even, you know, the, you know, name coming down to naming the studio is like, it was a big challenge for us in terms of how do you capture this big esoteric idea into a word or two. We actually enlisted his, um, some of his closest buddies from grad school, um, yeah, we, to help we, us come up with the name totally. because we were we were kind of at a place of where we needed to get unlocked, right? We needed someone else to kind of ask us questions and, you know, help us draw out the name. And um, yeah, it was awesome. It was a really you cool. Know, from grad experience. school, I had friends that were designers at Procter and Gamble and doing all sorts of really cool stuff all over the world. And so we're like, we're starting a design studio. Help us like, what's so cool. help us brand it? Like, what's Step one. You, you know? We knew we didn't want it to be like Collins designs or anything about um, us as individuals because we knew from the onset we were trying to build something beyond us, something that again could grow. And you know, we're kind of planting the seeds, and we're we want it to be as as uh, you know um, as involved in the community as it can be. Right. Um, uh, we want to make as big of an impact as we can be, and for positive change. Um, uptick. I mean, the year, we can all remember what was going on in 2010. Yeah, 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 yeah we yeah. kind of started at the bottom. The, the economy was in the toilet, and, you know, um, we had some personal things going on. My uh, father, uh, was he sick or passed away? No, um, he was sick. Matthew. My father had early onset Alzheimer's at oh, a very man. young age, so he went from, you know, being a pillar of the community to not knowing what a fork is in like 18 months, you know, it was pretty intense. So That's part of the, I bring it up uh, because part of the naming of Uptick Studios was kind of an homage to him. He was a financial analyst. And so the word Uptick, you know, was resonated with us because A, it was set around the house a lot and it's about growing and moving forward and, increasing in value and all the things that we're trying to do with our studio and it's you know kind of ties back to the financial world and you know makes me think of my dad that's cool yeah Yeah. and then uh like we were talking about studios we wanted to make sure that it captured this idea that we're very collaborative we're working as a group we're working with multidisciplinary multifaceted people for the better good of the project and what we're trying to achieve. Um, and then also not to limit ourselves to one studio. Smart. Yeah, so that's why it's studios, <laughs> with plural. plural. So we're now, we have uh, four studios, and uh, we hope to keep rolling. Nice. Yeah. I think I saw there's one in Bellingham. Yep, that's one of our uh, younger studios that we've branched out and opened a satellite office over on the west side and pretty excited about that. And selfishly, you know, that gets Julie and I closer to the water. So, uh, you know, as a pirate, my dream is to be working on my, a sailboat someday. So <laughs> I, <love laughs> I need a place to put it. 
And it's hard to get a sailboat out of Spokane. Yeah, kind of weird. Yeah, right? We have a great interior designer over there, you know, working remotely from there, helping us grow that studio. Um, and she's still very much a part of our team, you know, in Spokane. Sure. Um, now that we live in the, the land of Zoom, right, and remote work, it's working out really well. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so when did you know that Uptick Studios was going to grow and actually take off? Was it right well, away or was it before you even started? I mean, we had no plan B, yeah. so it kind of had to, you know. Love it. We had uh, three kids at home and probably one or two in diapers. And it's like, this is, we had no uh, exit strategy. So <laughs> it's like what we're going to do. Upward and onward. Yes. Well, they say burn the boats. Right. <laughs> well, and if you start at the if you start at the bottom, you know there's only one direction to go. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. It's an uptick. Yeah. It's an uptick. And the US bug, if you want to know the, the so the brand, the actual US, yes. um, what didn't come to us right away, like up, we our our you know business cards that we made ourselves. So, and you know I guess when we started it, we already had that idea of it's not just Collins, Matthew, and Julie. The us is us. But when that was like two years after we were in business, and um, I think we had to, I, I, there was some reason why we had to get a brand or whatever. Right. So, because we wanted an actual brand to brand right. on leather. Yeah, we were branding on leather. We were making and wallets. Tick Studios was too long of a word. It didn't make yeah. any sense. <laughs> I love so, it. when he did this quick, you know, little, sim- it's simple, right? Us. It just felt so right. And it was like, oh, gosh. I mean, because it is all about us. It's about each other. It's about who we work with, who we work for, who we collaborate with, who comes in in our life and adds value, you know, to anything we do, um, the community, everything. So it's just, it just was. Takes a village we were, to we, get a project yeah, built. Yeah, we were pretty excited yeah. about, like, oh, my gosh, what a great. It just feels right, too. It's, it, it's rooted in what, how we started anyway. Well, I'll be totally honest. When I was writing out like an outline for this podcast, it's really satisfying to put the two brackets and then us in between it. Yeah. yeah. It's super cool. It feels good. <laughs> it just feels good. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. It does feel good. Um, so on this kind of a little pivot here, but um, are there any memorable projects that listeners on the, of, the, of this podcast might know in Spokane that you've done? Oh, shoot, man. We've been, we've been at this for a while. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of projects that we've had the opportunity to touch in Spokane and thank God for clients. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, the stuff that in the, in the public sphere, you know, is we do a lot of like hospitality restaurants, retail type projects. Um, so, you know, in Daba and Uprise and, um, Republic Pie Iron and Goat. Iron Goat oh, okay. and Azumi and Umi and uh, Fleet Feet. Fleet oh, Feet yeah. is on the retail side. Um, you know, Prosser Dentistry and you know Physical Therapy Associates. Physical up therapy on Associates. And, yeah. Yeah. But I think all, uh, <laughs> we're, are we just like babbling? Listing our, yeah, no, our this is good. It's like okay, yeah, yeah we do. We've do done some warehouses for King Beverage, and you know, we did the signature genomics laboratories and you know we because of that holistic approach to design and really trying to build a well-rounded team it 
opens up the opportunity to do some really cool projects. So yeah. our, we have a really diverse portfolio because and a lot of times we'll take the hairy projects that no one else wants to touch because they're they're not easy. Um, and that's where we thrive, you know. Um, so that that has allowed us to get involved in some really exciting stuff with the community and other people and entrepreneurs in our region trying to, um, you know, do a lot of the same things we are. Yeah. Like well, yourselves, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why we're here. That's why we're here. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I was telling you before we got on the show here that um, when I was thinking of guests that I would have on my first few episodes, all I could think about is business starting in Spokane is the uptick studio sign in the windows. Um, every time there's something new coming, I think, didn't you just do the, the little food truck concept? Yeah, the off the wall. Off the wall. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, on wall, if you didn't put that together. Yeah. Just off wall, yeah. off the wall. It's uh, cool. Yeah, and uh, Versalia up in uh, uh, River District. And Liberty Lake. You know, well. I guess, yeah, we could keep going. I just sure. don't, don't want to leave anyone out. I think one of the, I guess, something that I, a project that might be kind of most recent is Blockhouse. And that's oh, a yeah. very dynamic, the, the project scope, the, yeah. the program was very unique and special, and it was a privilege to be a part of that project, for sure. Totally. That's, I agree mm-hmm. with you there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a uh, cross-laminated timber, you know, flat-packed, modular uh, residential project up in Perry District, and uh, it's, you know, net zero, and um, it's it's a pretty amazing um project and you know like i said we had amazing clients you know think think uh we're we're thankful to be given that opportunity to explore that project we were able to do a deep dive on the research side of things which we don't always get to do a lot of times you know it's like okay draw something beautiful and amazing and you know you have a really short runway so being able to kind of educate yourself on new technologies and new ways of thinking about projects uh, we were able to do that with that project and it turned out awesome and everyone loves it and everyone's happy about it but and there was a lot of blood district. sweat and tears that went into it yeah and the, just what it did for that period i mean period yeah. district is was already awesome right yeah. you know we love the side neighborhoods the walkabout neighborhoods and just adding to period district was i think it just added so much agreed um, so fun fact, uh, when Andy and Russ were just getting started on that mm-hmm. project, um, it was about six months before that I was involved at Startup Weekend and that was their pitch. Um, they, they pitched the idea and they ended up getting a team of, I think it was 12 people at um, the toolbox and they were actually yeah, yeah, yeah. designing one out of paper. It was pretty cool. Yeah. And then... Um, my involvement with Startup Weekend led to me getting into the very beginning of that, but there was a lot of people that were way more motivated than me to be involved in the marketing side, and so I kind of bowed out and let them run with it because I was busy building my business. To 100%, yeah. right? But, yeah, a- Andy, as a kind of serial entrepreneur, you know, and starting Toolbox, you know, he was, you know, building that kind of entrepreneurial engine, which was yeah. amazing, and... Yeah, Blockhouse was one of the ideas that kind of spun out of that. And we ended up using their labs to build our smart walls, which was really cool because we did all the, uh, basically the mechanical, electrical, plumbing systems offsite in, you know, prefabricated, you know, um, a prefabricated system that was, you know, built in their facilities. So 
That's cool. So it was like plug and play. Is that inside of the CLT walls? Or is it? It's one of the. Yeah. So it's the, the CLTs is like the envelope, you know, like the, the shell, the four walls, floor and roof. And then the smart walls and interior wall that's basically, it's like a chassis or, you know, a cabinet because it's the, it's the kitchen on one side, bathroom on the other, and all the guts in the middle. And then they come out the bottom and plug into the public utility system. That's cool. Did you get a tour of Berg before you started? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're doing some cool stuff. And that's where that modular system, you know, Andy was trying to take the stuff he's doing for, like, Red Cross and the military. He's like, you know, he's building space shuttles. And it's like, okay, how do we do this for, you know, middle America? And how do, you know, to create something that we can reproduce on a larger scale. And so... It was pretty. It was pretty awesome, and we were looking to do more of that. Yeah, cool. Um, and then just to clarify, anybody that listens to this, what CLT is is cross laminated timber, and they're using, um, I believe, it's any kind of wood from the forest floor that's four inches or smaller. I think. And yeah, it's based it's on circular wood. economy. So you know, there's again, it's that kind of life cycle of sustainability and making sure that our community has forests in the future. So the technology behind it is taking that splintery wood or it's it's not even chips. It's actually the wood. It's just milled correctly. And there's a whole lot of technology that went by that. With, is it Voggen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Voggen timbers. timbers. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Good. Hey, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> brought, some, brought back some memories. Right. <laughs> We're connected. We didn't even know it. Who, who knew? Right? right. Our paths yeah. have just... Right. That's Spokane I, for you. I know it. I'm often driving down the freeway heading to Coeur d'Alene and just, I, I always <laughs> wonder what would have happened if I just dropped everything and worked hardcore on Blockhouse. Yeah. So anyway, I didn't. And <laughs> I'm happy with where I'm at. Right, but right. Anyway, no regrets. So what is the key to encouraging good design through the human experience? I mean, I think, you know, we pride ourselves on communication, clear, constant, sometimes exhaustive communication, but it's, it's that collaboration and interaction with the team and building that trust. So, you know, people can be vulnerable and throw out ideas, even if they're not, you know, well-baked or vetted. And so that tends to yield the best results. So do you feel like that's an internal thing or is that work with um, thinking of who might be using the um, end product? Well, yeah, I mean, the thinking through who's using the end product is that that's that ethnographic research and that's understanding the user and understanding their experience and what's the experience that they're currently having and what's the experience that they're trying to achieve, you know, and that could be, you know, a patron of a coffee shop or it could be a scientist in a laboratory or it could be... A homeowner and, you know, working with a family and kids and cooking and, you know, there's so much process and procedure in our lives. And so, you know, looking at kind of that um, experience then informs the design criteria, you know. Gotcha. So So like people's interests in their daily lives and how they function and whatever you design around that or with it. Yeah, we really work hard to get in people's heads and we want to we want to understand what makes them tick and sometimes what's fascinating is they don't even know it, right? So it's 
you kind of have to tease them, tease it out of them. And uh, we, we, it's, we joke that, you know, going through the process of, uh, of getting a project developed is a design journey. There you go. And our design team, we're kind of the Sherpas, you know. We, we're going to get you to the, the top of the mountain and we're going to, you know, make sure that you have a place to sleep and, you know, know what direction you're going. But there's a lot of stuff that happens that's totally out of everyone's control through that process. So, you know, you work as a team and get to the top. Love it. What you went through to create your brand, this is literally the same thing you're doing for your clients. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah we live it and, you know, we, we live it exhaustively sometimes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we take, we take it to heart and we've done a few personal projects, not only with building the company, but we've had the opportunity to build a couple things for our you know, family and we got to build our house. And um, it's always super challenging to be your own client. But it's so, it's so fun yeah. and it's such a great experience you know, to be on that side as well. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we do a new brand, um, there's no stone unturned. We, right. We're like in the middle of HR. We're in the middle of um, sales. We're in the middle of CEO's mind. And it's really interesting. Nine times out of ten after we're done with a, um, a branding project, the CEO learned more than they expected. Right. Like they're learning about the deep connection there is in the business, and it sheds a whole new light on it. But, yeah. So yeah. sometimes we're marriage counselors and we're, you know, <laughs> I'm sure we have to be, you know, coaches and everything else in between because it does get personal and it's, you know, that that's what yields the best results. So you again, want to build that trust with the team and the clients and, you know, all the consultants and contractors and everyone involved. So you can have that honest dialogue. Yeah. It's people's dreams and their investment, and that's like two really important things, right? So we have to really take care, care of people and make sure we're always, you know, like Matthew said, communicating with them so they know that they're taken care of. Yeah, I think 100%. It is. A home is the number one investment in a person's life. Was the car the second worst investment? The car, I think, is what they say. <laughs> right. <laughs> But you gotta have a garage for it. Otherwise, what's the point, right? Right. So, uh, to me, Spokane has grown substantially in recent years. What are your thoughts on the next five years? What's your vision of the landscape of Spokane? I mean, Spokane's always kind of been slow and steady. You know, we tend not to see the explosive growth and ups and downs, the peaks and the valleys that maybe they they feel a little more on the west side. So, I see more continued sustained growth you know um which i think is awesome because we can grow smartly intelligently thoughtfully uh and hopefully not make the same mistakes as some of our other communities you know um i always say that spokane you know doesn't have the baggage of you know a it's on the west coast of the united states you know we're young over here so we don't have this deep rooted history of other you know um city planning and you know oh, you yeah. go, if they they dealt with the crusades you know and <laughs> i mean they they burnt their continent to the ground like we're still in the wild west so we have the opportunity to really do amazing things with our community um so it i just get really excited about that i 
I, I, sometimes I get really impatient. I want to see change faster. So I've, I've learned to temper that a little bit. Um, but we want to, we want to help and promote and, and push Spokane, uh, is, is, you know, as much as it can handle. Yeah. I love it. Uh, the Numerica building up at Wandermere. Is that right? By I think the same building as Sweet Frostings is in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Side. yeah. yeah. That's another great little uh, oh, retail yeah. project that we had a lot of fun doing that. Yeah, that's super cool. So yeah. is, is that like uh, an example of where Spokane could be headed? So it's, to well, me, that uh, looks awesome. It looks yeah. very modern. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, we, we did that like 10 years ago. So <laughs> I'm, I'm like, that's old news, Doyle. Like, See, we're it's slow and like, steady. Yeah. Right. <laughs> No, I mean... Timeless, yeah. right? Hey, there you go. Yeah, and, and to me, it's not necessarily about the style of architecture. Is You know, that's obviously a piece of it, but it's about building, practicing, and smart planning, and, you know, thinking about transportation and emissions and efficiency, you know. Longevity. And longevity, and, you Love know, it. we want to build to last, you know. The sustainability is kind of a four-letter word because it's just so over overused and overbaked, but... It really just means like have the same, you know, that you have tomorrow as you have today. Yeah. And so if we're going to grow and, you know, expand and do all these things with our community, you know, we have to do it intelligently or we're just going to burn through our resources. You know, we're, we're lucky that we have a lot of resources here, so we want to preserve them. Totally. When uh, I drove that corner for years and that building's been done for 10 years. Yeah. I didn't really notice it until two years ago. And then <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow, that looks really, that must be new. And then, um, so that would have been right around the early stages of the pandemic when I started noticing things. <laughs> and, needed uh, more time. Needed more time, yeah. And then when I was preparing for this podcast, I saw on your website that that was one that you did. I had no idea. Cool. And so it kind of brought it home and wow, that's really modern. But now I'm finding out it's 10 years old. Yeah. So well, there you go. it's okay. Kudos. I mean, yeah, it's not new to us, but it's sure. we're, we're, and that's we we try to. Uh, I say aesthetics, you know, is not as important, but it is. I guess it's developing kind of that timeless language of architecture that it doesn't feel uh, dated or obsolete. You know. Yeah, totally. Five years later, and so it's it's finding that finding that sweet spot, and you know, living in the Northwest, you know, we really gravitate to kind of that you know, Northwest modern aesthetic, which has sustainable, natural, you know, experiential qualities to it. So that really resonates with us. It's awesome. Okay. This is, this is a fun question, I think, because it's one of those things that no one ever thinks of until they know they need it. Um, I've worked with some people that are extremely cheap over the years. And one thing they put massive priority on is having an architect. So here's my question. What are the main reasons a business owner should hire an architect for the new space or building that they're going into? I have a feeling. Is it's it, isn't there a book? Is <laughs> You're the architect. <laughs> there's a well, book about that. Yeah, there's there's lots of books about that. Yeah. Um, Any right off the top of your head? I think it's called Why Hire an Architect is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I actually have never read it because I am an architect. So, yeah. uh, you know. You wrote uh, You know, I, I think if you put thought into your design uh not only can you make it exactly what you want it to be but you're you're solving all those problems before you move into you know later phases of a project which which can cost a lot more time and money on a project um and really when we're 
I guess it, there's two different answers is residential commercial, I guess I would say. Gotcha. You know, but on, on the residential side, um, in a higher end home, it's, it's really being able to tune the design to exactly how you want to experience your environment, you know? So that we always say, you know, we'll never say no, or you can't do that. It's just working with the client to evaluate, evaluate their priorities, you know? Gotcha. Is that, you know, 30-foot cantilever where you want to put your resources, or is it in your, you know, solar panels, or is it in, you know, the size of your golf simulator room? You know, it's, it's kind of drilling down into what's important. Um, and then, you know, on the commercial side, it's really understanding the the business or the culture or the environment you're trying to create for your patrons or your staff or your you know um, the group that's going to be participating in that environment so that's when it moves from you know you're dealing with a family or a group to a demographic or uh, you know socioeconomic class or a type of profession or you know so it's a much broader base data set that you're uh, designing for makes sense does that make sense yes it does okay sorry i was going, getting in the weeds there yeah, a little bit but, and that, yeah <laughs> that's why you hire an architect right tell us about how you grew your team to over 20 people i'm very interested in this one well we were you know bumping along around from like 10 to 12 10 to 12 we were having some you know, we had we had growth from like six to ten or to twelve, right? And it felt really good, but then we there was a time a couple of years where we there was no growth. And when as you know, you're just head down doing the work, working as hard as you can, building the business, trying to keep people at uptick to work there, right? And um, we just kind of hit a ceiling, and we we knew something was beyond. What, like what Matthew and I could do with our team to, to, to grow anymore. We just knew that, I mean, it, it had been a thought for a while, but we took a big step and we hired someone to help us grow the business. So we hired Charlie Wolf. And from that point on, and it was, a, it was a, the, you know, we've always hired designers or architects, people that went through school, you know, to do the work, right? And, um, and so, you know, there was some struggle, like, for a while where we weren't growing and work got really stressful, like, you know, business was growing, but we weren't, in a way. Makes sense. And yeah, so... We'd get, we'd hit kind of a certain scale, and then the wheels would just fall off the bus, yeah. you know? It's like too, too, too much of a good thing, you know? Yeah. And then you're herding cats and running around circles and not accomplishing anything. Or not helping other people on your team grow or, you know, sure. pr provide a place where they can learn and grow too. We could feel it. Um, so. Yeah. So Charlie came in Charlie as our COO. We, uh, we needed really someone to oversee. A, yeah. That's, you know, his passion is growing business. You know, our passion is designing and growing design and how can we do more of it? Um, but you know, our, uh, we needed someone focus on the business side of the business. And so over the last three, I think he had a three-year anniversary recently. Mm -hmm. um, we've really been focusing on, you know, 
On the business. On the business, not just working in the business. Yeah. And so we've been a lot more thoughtful and diligent about that, and it's allowed us to kind of take that next step with our company to go from that, like Julie was saying, you know, the 10 to 12 to the, the I think I recently heard we're at 26. Um, and, awesome. you know, we want to keep rolling uh, with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, you know, once we looked at our business and looked on the business and kind of, you know, opened up the drawers and saw the mess and he helped us clean up things and take stick step backwards to work on our process, work on our internal structure, you know, so we're not just like Matthew always says, putting out fires, you know, mm-hmm. so we have some systems in place so everyone can do their job more efficiently, you know, more comfortably, um, adding more time for creativity. Um, so that's yeah, been, that, I- that really, ex- that's, that's how we were able to grow. And um, he also um, was able to grow his team. Too. So we have a whole admin team now that supports the architecture and interior design team for that growth, too. So it's just like we're all working together. And it's just, it's been just an amazing change. So when we're, That's awesome. we value every single person that they come to with their skill set and what they bring to Uptick. And we're all working towards that common goal, whether, you know, it's Shay in marketing or Alex in finance or Sean in HR. Um, and then all our designers, and I could list everybody because everybody, they all hold the same importance, you That's know, awesome. when they show up and they are working towards the common goal to, to uh, you know, keep elevating Uptick Studios, our community, our projects, and support our clients. So. Yeah, it's, you know, that growth is not just willy-nilly adding bodies, you know. We've, we've worked hard to be very strategic about developing a roadmap and identifying the right people in the right seats, you know? And so it's as we, as we grow and tackle new projects, we identify empty seats, you know? And if, or what they say, if, you know, you wear a lot of hats, you know, and if, if you can't put that hat on someone else and you got to wear it. So it's as we've, you know, grown and been able to, um, do bigger things, you know, there's, there's more hats to wear and, then we get to, you know, it's exciting to f- get to find new people because it's new positions. We just talked to someone this morning. It's like, we, we don't even know how to write this job description because we've never had one of you before, you but know, we but we're really we excited. We're really, we know we need you, but we're not really sure how to describe all the things we need you to do. So um, anyway, that's, that's yeah, designing, uh, we always say, a, you know, building a design studio is like the ultimate design problem. So <laughs> that's what we're working on. <laughs> no kidding. I was saying there's so many crossovers happening right here. It's, it's pretty cool to hear that I'm not the only one that has these same challenges. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I wear too many hats. I, I'm openly I'm, I'm openly sharing that because um, maybe it's a way to take a few off. I think my wife would appreciate that. Oh, I bet. <laughs> and sometimes getting out of the way, it provides growth, yeah. right? Yeah. But you feel the responsibility that... You know, that's how you started. You think you have to know everything, say yes or no to everything, but no. A lot of, if you just know that your what your lane is and you're still, you know, contributing the best that you can um, and then allowing other people to bring what they're best at, it's just, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It's kind of fun. Uh, some of the creatives that we've had um, recently that we've hired, they've unlocked these 
potentials they didn't even know they had. Right. And um, what I've learned is if I want it done a certain way, I need to train somebody and then let them run with it because right. they're smarter than me. I wouldn't have hired them. And when they run with something, I learn more than I could have ever imagined, and it's done better. It's just the way it goes. Right, and that's, yeah. that's with ideas as well, and that's with, with design as well, yeah. right? Yes, yeah. people can have, like, ownership of the design, but really it takes not just one great mind, you know? That's right. So. That's hard. Right. Carrie and I get so ta- attached to our people. It's um, tearjerkers when when someone has to go. It truly is. Yeah. I oh. always have to have a, like, <laughs> I have a... Yeah, Julie, Julie is Julie is it's definitely emotional. the, yeah. the empath in our relationship, and you know, yeah, um, it, it is it's super emotional. I mean, we we love and care for all the people we work with. And yeah. So, but we, and we've gotten a lot better of building the right structures and platforms. We want Uptick to be able to grow with their career and elevate what they're trying to do, and so we're trying to empower you know, our team to be all they can be. And that, like you mentioned, that can lead in different directions because they show up and they have different capabilities and different strengths. And so you want to be nimble and able to really leverage that. And, but, you know, we want people doing what they're passionate about. Yeah. So. That makes things even better. Right. Yeah. Um, so you expanded to Bellingham. How did that journey go and how did that opportunity present itself? I mean, it, I know it doesn't just dream itself up. I mean, it it was it had been on the radar. I mean, Julie and I love Bellingham, um, and it was you know, it's a place that we've identified. It has a lot of similarities to Spokane, and it you know I think that it's complementary in that you know it's the baby brother to Seattle, and it's where people go and recreate, and you know it has all those uh, attributes. And it was kind of serendipitous that right. we had a designer. Um, that worked with us out of WSU for several years. And they, she and her husband had family in Bellingham and we kind of knew going into it that they ultimately wanted to move there. And we, again, she became part of the team and part of the family. Highly valued, and, you know, uh, like. She was an awesome contributor. And it's like, okay, well, when they were ready to move to Bellingham, we're like, well, let's open a satellite off their office there with you and uh then we've been off to the races and bellingham was on a list on the map right we have other ideas of other places so it's not our last stop but so you know serendipity and timing and um, it worked it was finding the right people and i mean that's i guess a good segue for another studio that we just launched this year which is uptick curated and that's another idea we've been had for a long time but again finding the right people and the the right timing uh to kick that off and i guess i'll julie i'll let you say what that is yeah so uptick curated is a um uptick studio another uptick studio um and it's its own brand um but it was especially in our residential market we found that you know, you're providing the architecture and the interiors, we build a level of trust and uh, the clients want us to help them see their project to fruition and help them find the couch that works in there and, and, and the we, table that works in there. And, oh, I need some bar stools. And, you know, like it. So we kind of dipped our toe into it to help certain clients on an as needed basis. And, and we, yeah, we're, we've been up and running. We have three projects. And so it's a full procurement service that 
um, provides, you know, furniture, textiles, art, decor. Um, yeah, so it's really, really kind of full circle, too, for like Matthew was touching on is, you know, we're holistic design. Our team is so integrated, and it's just such a privilege to take a project from, you know, ground up, all the architecture, all the interior design, and then be able to also impact the, the furnishings and, like, have it all make sense and go together and be so cohesive and connected to, as a whole project. So Super cool. Yeah. We're really excited about the idea of using local artisans and craftsmen and, you know, you know, getting the community more involved in that. And that's where I could see, you know, a showroom or an exhibit or, sure. you know, things w where we can celebrate, you know, people that are actually making this stuff. Uptick curated just sounds like an art gallery. Yeah. It could work. Yeah, we've been having a lot of great meetings with local artists. I think awesome. it's been so exciting just to touch, just to make those connections and talk about what our goals are and what our, you know, mission and vision is with Uptick Curated and how it's based and connected to Uptick Studios, but what it can provide our clients in the community too and really making those relationships that are local here and then just having like that cross promotion, it just feels so good. Like, yeah. And to get excited about having a project where you, you get to know an artist, their, their work, and then you know your client and you can say, hey, look at, this would be a great connection. I want you to meet this artist. It would be great for your home. Let's see if you guys can form that relationship and make that investment to elevate the space again, that, even that further. So yeah, yeah. we're not about just filling the space with things and stuff, you know? Sure. We want to be really intentional, purposeful, meaningful. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm a less is more type of person. That doesn't mean I won't, you know, go along with someone that loves you know, layering and yeah, yeah. having many things. But I just think we want to make sure everything's connected. It's so exciting to pick out, you know, all the interior materials, the exterior materials. They all say a story. They're all connected. And then also the sofa just is perfectly connected too, you know, sure. like the, that textile. It's just... Nothing ruins like, great architecture <laughs> like a terrible sofa. <laughs> well, <laughs> no. that's extreme. I say, you know, it's, I, just, I, I, it's really exciting. I'm kind of kidding, but I'm kind of not. No. But it's, it's, and it's just exciting for us to be able to do that for our clients, too, that they have that opportunity. Because, like, we've talked about that trust, you know, building that trust. It's, our, our projects can be years, right? Sure. So once they um, come to Uptick Curated, they know they're going to be taken care of the same. Because Uptick Curated is based, you know, our values are based as well, the same as Uptick Studios. So yeah. they can be, um, you know, secure with that. That's cool. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So I can tell you put a large amount of effort into your team culture. Mm -hmm. I want to expand on that. It's my, I think it's one of my favorite things to bring up on this podcast. Well, we have an official culture wrangler. Yeah. Uh, That's wow. his name. What, That's you his know, job title. What, you know, the, I guess, layman's terms, he's uh, our HR manager, but we, we knew we wanted a lot more out of him than just, you know, making sure we renew our health insurance. Um, and he's really, uh, you know, embraced that and became, you know, he's, um, has a finger on the pulse, making sure everyone is feeling good about what they're doing. Um, they, you know, again, what, what they're doing is aligning with their passion. Um, he's also kind of the, the social coordinator. Um, we've, we've hired several people out of state, out of the area, 
And we thought, you know, they need to learn about Spokane. So we started a dinner club in the studio. So once a month they go to a different restaurant and different part of town. And sometimes they even cross the border over into Idaho. But it's really about kind of exposing our team to the culture of Spokane, which is part of our culture as a studio. Um, you know, we do fun things like, you know, this morning uh, a bunch of us went mountain bike riding and, you know, we did night skiing over the winter and we try to, um, you know, have some, have some fun unrelated to our specific work activities and then the day-to-day. The day-to-day culture is important too. I, I, we all want to, if we work every day, I mean, work is work, right? But we want people to feel excited about coming to work, um, secure about where they work, you know, um, totally, and feel valued as well. Um, not, yeah, just working towards the common goal. I, I just think focusing on our, on our culture has also helped us grow as well. Yeah. Um, you know, we always, our intention was always to have a place of work where many people would want to stay, believe in it and help us achieve what we're achieving as a team. And I think you really have to take, you have to like, take concerted effort and like make sure you're like focusing on what is the culture and what and listen to your 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 team members yeah. you know um what what do they need what excites them i mean we have to drive it you know we have to be the leader but at the same time it's building it all together too so yeah yeah i don't know if i'm rambling no you're not it's <laughs> cold it's cold yeah, i mean it says you know the work we do has you know like you alluded to it's you know working with other people's money and it's most often their biggest investment of their life. And, you know, worst case scenario, a building falls down and people die. And it's a very serious business to build buildings. Yeah. But long as you understand that you can have a lot of fun doing it. And so, you know, we, we, you know, work on the expertise and understanding of the serious nature so that we can have Nerf gun wars and, you know, do other silly things as as we problem solve you hiring <laughs> <laughs> sure so send cute. us send us your resume well shay just said that she wants to start a podcast so right <laughs> yeah you can help us start the uptick podcast long Let's as go. this is this may be our first and last podcast but yeah uh, we might not be on it but other people can we'll call it upcast oh yeah, there you nice. go Oops. I shouldn't have said that out loud. <laughs> Branded. <laughs> How much do I owe you? <laughs> no, no, my my ideas can be free. Yeah, yeah. It's my it's my uh, throwback for uh, giving me your time on the podcast. No, this has been fun. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, no problem. A couple quick things before we uh, call it off. So let's get personal. I want to know what you, what do you love most about Spokane. I feel like I hyped that big time. <laughs> Gosh, there's a lot of things. Um, I, you know, we both were raised here, right? And then we left for a number of years. Cool. We had an exciting, you know, time away. And we experienced and we learned from other places and met other people and cult- had other cultural experiences. But what drew us back was the quality of life. You know, the, the connection to nature and the, the ease of living here, you know. True um, story. Yeah, I mean, I can ride my bike to work and, you know, I can sneak in a mountain bike ride and still get to work, you know, by nine and, you know, or get up to the ski hill before it closes after work. And, you know, I grew up, we grew up with it, so we th- 
you think it's normal until you go live somewhere else and you're like, wait a second, what? I can't, where are the trails? Where's, you know, where do I get to go play? Where's the mountain? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah, and it's also about the people too, you know, the the community here, the people people here are just, there's a culture here too that, that, you know, is specific to Spokane. And I think it's all, it was also there's opportunity here, you know, so. If you can make it in Spokane, you can make it anywhere. Right. <laughs> and I think sometimes leaving, you just, and in, in maturing and going away, you appreciate what, what, what there is to offer here in yeah. Spokane. Where's your favorite place to eat in Spokane? Ooh. I really love Ruins. Oh, yeah. I love yeah, Ruins. Ruins is one of our favorites. And it's also one of the few that are open late. Like, Julie and I found that, like, when our kids are occupied, we'd end up staying at the studio late at night mm-hmm. and then try to grab something to eat after 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock at night. And Ruins was always our, our spot because they were rocking, and they, they do an exceptional job. Nice. Um, favorite coffee shop? I get, yeah, I have a couple. I, I know, mean, that's tough. We, we, you know, we're up on the South Hill, so I love Thomas Hammer. I drive off the South Hill, so I love Jacobs. You know, those are kind of like the, the, the commuter coffee. If, you know, our office is downtown, so the Indaba on Riverside is an amazing place to hang out and have a cup of coffee and have a power meeting or just a snack. Sweet. They, they make some good toast, fancy toast. <laughs> fancy toast. Right. Uh, favorite activity in Spokane? Yeah, that's that's a good one. I'll say uh, we recently got an uptick uh, fly fishing raft, uh, which I'm pretty stoked on. So um, if anyone listens to this wants to, uh, I'd be happy to take you out fly fishing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, my new favorite activity is dropping the boat in downtown Spokane and fishing right out of our downtown, which is spectacular and very few communities on the planet you're able to do that. I so I can... Again, like, you know, five minutes from my house, from my office, I can be fly fishing. That's cool. It's pretty amazing. Do you put in right by uh, Riverfront Park? Yeah. That's so cool. And you're out there fly fishing. Yeah, it's cool. We just got the uptick raft, so uh, we've been slowly taking our our team out, and I think we've gotten about half of them out on the boat. So we're going to get the other half uh, hopefully this spring. That's, again, kind of one of those niche sports. If you didn't grow up with it, you don't get exposed to it. So yeah. it's teaching people how to, how to fish and where the fish like to hang out so you can catch them and how do you stay in a boat on moving water and all that fun stuff. Um, any advice from your experience that you would give a current or future business owner in our region? Shoot, I'm trying to think of something profound big, big without sounding cliche. Like, first word is grit, right? There you go. I mean, Love I it. know that's a big word that, oh, I have grit, you know, but I think yeah. grit. And I also think, um, you know, connecting yourself to the people that share your, you know, core values and that are on the same page and that are, you know, what they bring to the table is different than yours the collaborative nature of building a business, you know, I just think it, it, it takes a village for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Well just said. Get, get involved in what you care about. You know, it shouldn't feel like you're selling your services or your products. It should be part of you. And so, you know, get out in the community and be you, I think is the best advice. Right. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Love it. Well said. Okay. Last question. 
Is there any books that you've read that have helped you in your career and would you recommend to others? <laughs> Traction. Traction. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. That's, that's that's pure business, which is awesome. Well, it's helped yeah. our business, so that's the one I can say. Totally. The yeah. last podcast we just had, Traction. <gasps> yeah, it's, it's... I've read it, too. Yeah, it's a pretty awesome book, and, you know, they have kind of that uh, roadmap of, of building a company and... Um, so that's been super valuable. Cool. Yeah. Herding uh, tigers is another really good one. Oh. Uh, that's about managing cr- creatives. Um, what about the one? originals? Originals. Yeah. How uh, nonconformists are going to rule the world. Um, let me see if I can either come up with some other ones. What's the one I'm reading right now? Uh, how to live life untethered, which awesome. is another one. I have general. ADD, so it's to me. I have to hold the book and listen to it. <laughs> Just the way I roll, whatever. Awesome, whatever works, right? That's right. Plus, it's a dope-looking library. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. The bookshelf looks great. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Doyle. Yeah, thank I appreciate you. your time. It's been good. Awesome. Really fun.